This week on The Sideline, Meg and Dr. G explore the basic terms and frequently ask questions about gender, sex, and sexuality, as well as the positive and negative roles they can play in sports. Meg and Dr. G also discuss the influences of masculinity on sports and how we are socialized to perceive female athletes. They dive into emotion reactions from male and female athletes and how we're socialized to learn these gender roles and stereotypes. Tune in to the sideline to understand the differences in gender, sex, and sexuality, as well as the roles they play in the culture of sports. This is Sport Knowledge. Hey, Megan, Dr. G here. And since we had such a great response with our Navigating Racism episode, we're going to follow suit today with a similar exploration into the communication surrounding gender in sport. Now, while gendered context of sport has changed over the years, particularly for women and girls, unfortunately, gender stereotypes and disparities still persist. Sport is still clearly linked with masculine values and behaviors, and such stereotypes sadly restrict opportunities and behaviors for both men and women, encouraging unhealthy behaviors. So Dr. G, with that in mind, let's go ahead. And before we discuss how gender has a clear and powerful influence in sport, let's start at the very beginning by talking about sex. I'm going to give you the, the definition of sex, okay, which is refers to biological aspects of being male or female. Uh, basically, I think of it as either you have this equipment or that equipment. I mean, we're talking sports, right? So either you got the equipment or you don't. So, I mean, there are obviously outliers, but, but this is, this is mainly the thing. So, but unfortunately the terms sex and gender often are used interchangeably um, and are not the same. So gender refers to psychological, social, cultural experiences and characteristics associated with being male or female. So tell us about the difference and how it relates in sport. Okay. So at, at a basic level, and it'll even kind of back it up a little bit that when we think about sex, we think tend to think about biology. And when we think about gender, we think about the psychosocial aspects of gender, right? Sometimes, again, we can conflate sex and gender, and it's often we can slip back and forth between the two. But if we're nowadays in the scholarly community, if we're talking about biology, we tend to refer to it as a sex. If we're talking about gender, we're talking about the other things, like you said, the stereotypes, the cultural norms, the clothing, the presentation, the performance, some people call it, right? Or an identity uh, compared to biology. And biology also, with, and I'm not a right, uh, biologist or by any means, but it's also terribly complex too. It's not just the equipment or the appearance, the physical appearance or the outwardly bodily manifestation of things. People, again, we do that and it becomes reduced to just that. And it's really not correct either, because you can look at biology too from a variety of factors, hormones, um, you know, physical tissue on the external. You can also look internal um, and you can look at chromosomes. So from what I know about that and how other people talk about it, we have to be a little bit more, you know, sophisticated in how we're referring to these things too, because uh, it, at the end of the day, it, it's going to come down to helping or harming people. And and when I think about, you know, statistics on young people and uh, LGBT community, transgender community, uh, you know, people that suffer based on negative stereotypes and hate and, you know, the vitriol that flows around some of these issues in today's times, that's who I'm concerned about really the most and who I'm thinking about on a daily basis is what's the effect of talk 
of all this talk and action on gender and sex to actual real lives and real people. And, and you know, that's, that's a take home point for everybody just to keep in mind too, is you hear things, you know, do we, do we kind of love people and pick them up or are we going to use these things and degrade them and separate and divide and hurt them? And our goals here are to put information out there so people can understand better, to think about it more, to discuss it. Um, you know, we, we really want people to comment. We really want, we're not pretending to be experts on these, uh, on these topics. We want to introduce the topics, bring in experts, and then, you know, just kind of continue the communication because that's how, that's how things get solved. That's how things get better. It's how become educated. It's a journey that we're trying to become. And we're trying to share that with folks and invite that dialogue. And that there are people, there are scholars and scientists and others that spend their entire lives studying the biology of sex or the social construction of gender, you know, just like we did with racism, there's multiple forms of racism. It's changed over hundreds of years. I just did a professional development uh, workshop recently and learned even more about the slave trade and how uh, people of darker skin, African descent, others have been uh, demonized uh, well before, you know, the colonization of the U.S., you know, and so you can go back and back and further and further to see how these things change. And it's such a complex topic. And and again, you know, in, in the world of sport, who is really talking about this? Where do you go for resources? Uh, can we provide, and we'll put it in the show notes and elsewhere on, on our uh, channels, you know, resources to go to to really start to kind of become more informed uh, in, in order to help people do the right thing as well as correct, you know, mistakes. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this topic right now um, in sport in particular. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But while we may sometimes generalize when we're when we're speaking, because it just kind of is uh, how we we speak, we try to organize things so that we can think more clearly about them. We, it is never, you know, our intent to do so. And, and there's always people outside of that. It's careful. I mean, so you can refer to, if we just take what you just said as an example, right? We can refer to boys and girls sports or uh, men's and women's sports, you know, um, that all men are like this or women behave like that, you know, and, but we know that those are generalizations and there might be some truth to some of these kind of norms, and stereotypes are actually just an exaggerated type of those norms too. You know, and we see it as more like, oh, well, uh, you know, a good one, uh, a good example that's easy to see is, you know, men in sport tend not to get um, defined by their emotions. Whereas women in sport are, you know, more emotional, just like women in society are supposedly more emotional, you know, but on the sidelines of the football games, you know, men are to, you know, male coaches for the most part. And we have women coaches now and they're women Super Bowl champions, um, you know, coaches, but, you know, the men go nuts on the sidelines, you know, and that's okay. Nobody says, Oh, look at these, you know, men, they're so emotional. You know, they were, they get referred to as being passionate, you know, and that's a desirable male, uh, emo- male thing. It's not even emotion. You know, it is an emotion, but it doesn't get labeled like that. Yeah. You know, so that's we the can- amazing thing about language and, and why it's so important that we talk about how we communicate things, because it's just it's so it can do things where you don't even think that that's what's going on, like the passionate versus emotional. No, when you start to do the analysis and break it down, you can kind of be like, oh, like right, that's the fun of. Uh, you know, thinking about something like gender and these norms and emotions and behaviors that you get to kind of point out these contradictions. And then you start to wonder, right? Uh, huh. You know, I hadn't really thought about how that got constructed and how that has been talked about in, you know, the media and journals, the newspaper, uh, popular press. 
you know, those are the sorts of ways too that people consume this and start to make sense of it. And you don't realize you're being socialized. Yeah. Socialized is a, is a, is a big one. I, well, let's, let's introduce again, our favorite uh, thing to discuss and that's socially constructed situation. So would you say that uh, gender is more of a socially constructed um, concept than sex? Yeah. You, you, in, when you look at it, you know, the clothing, right. Then we can pick it today. I'm wearing a sweatshirt, a uh, sport sweatshirt. You know, got my nice uh, Carhartt hooded sweatshirt on. You're looking very cash. I'm very cash, but I'm very, very masculine looking too, right? It's very broad shoulders. Oh, that's what I meant. (laughs) Yeah, not just cash. Cash, you know, know, it's a little bit too laid back for me, right? I I got I'm old strength coach, football coach. I got to look tough. Um, Nobody thinks they don't. Oh, oh. no, the secret's out. You got a heart of gold, and and everyone knows now. Big softy. I mean, you've got right. You've got down a necklace. You've got down a, a, a longer gray with the turtleneck. Put that on for your dad. <laughs> he really appreciates that. Yeah. But they, I mean, that's a, that's the pre- presentation of, and you see it in sports too. You can compare. Uh, let's look at men's and women's uh, hockey, or a hockey. I'm sorry, and uh, lacrosse. Yeah. Men's and women's men's and women's lacrosse have in tennis also have different uniforms. You know, and it's required in the rules by some of those. Uh, governing agencies, governing bodies, and in the rule book that they have to have a certain attire. And, mm-hmm. you know, you tell me, you were you were the tennis player. You probably experienced that, too, back in the day. Oh, yeah. That was back when you, you know, Wimbledon, you had to wear all white, top to bottom. And, yeah. and there was bottom seen yep. by, by women and not by men. Right, right. And then next thing you know, there's nowadays, too, right? And even back then, their pictures are taken. The commentators, the broadcasters mm-hmm. start making comments. I think this just recently just happened again, right. you know, because... Yeah, the way, right, the way that you move, you know, something shows and then, you know, a comment gets made about, oh, well, look at that. And isn't that cute? And, and right. And now we start to infinite infantilize. That's a tough one. Uh, infantilize or yeah. uh, objectify, sexualize uh, more so women's bodies, the men's bodies in sports. And then we start to start to think, right, of women's bodies as objects to be you know, appreciated and exploited and done things with. And we tend not to think about those same things with men's sports or boys. Let me ask you, in the beach volleyball rules, do the women have to wear a bikini? I I do not know. Or a bathing suit at all? I do not know what the rules. That's an interesting one to me. I I never noticed that the men are wearing, you know, bun huggers. So I'm just, I'm I'm interested if there's a, an aerodynamic aspect to this, or if there's, if it's really just for, because we're on the beach and it's part of the ambiance. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about that. Brittany back on, give us a little rundown. Yeah. The same thing with uh, swimming. I mean, swimming nowadays too, they do regulate because of the aerodynamics of the bathing suit and that there's an obvious uh, clear performance advantage to having a suit that is, you know, snug and aerodynamical, right? You can go faster in the water compared to if you got your, you know, big baggy board shorts or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's so many sports that knowing the rules and the history of why that became, that's a social construct, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that, you know, has become ingrained over time, you know, decades or centuries. And sometimes we don't even think about that and, and question why is that the way it is? Well, and we all tend to think that uh that sex is dichotomous and at this point i is it still i would say no no and 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 biologically speaking and that's the thing we can we do that for simplicity and for the science of categorizing people but 
you know, we've never really just had two. We've had outliers and, you know, so-called abnormalities, you know, and, 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 and I say those words with a little bit of caution because those yeah. things can now uh, marginalize, they can other, they can, you know, when you other somebody away from the norm, you start to bring them down. Yeah, so it does that's have a, way, a negative aspect to it. Absolutely, just like negative stereotype. When you start to kind of other people and start to kind of do that, they, they become less than the norm. They become less than ideal. When we start to dichotomize male and female, that we create this way of thinking. And if you appear then outside of these reified norms, you become other, right? You're less attractive. You're not as smart. You can't participate. Um, you can't lead. Nobody's going to listen to you. You know, there's a variety of things that, that manifest in everyday life. So that that kind of brings us into our next term, which is sexuality, which is the way people experience and express themselves sexually. This involves biological, physical, emotional, social feelings and behaviors. So that's kind of what you were you were just talking about, right? Yeah, right. So we go from the basic construction of gender uh, and how people manifest their clothing, their attitudes, their appearances, uh, their speech. You know, how they communicate, how they move in certain ways, right? And now you're manifesting into sexuality of how we are attracted to uh, other folks as well. Let's talk about uh, femininity and masculinity. So femininity is a set of attributes, behaviors, and roles uh, generally associated with women and girls. And that's uh, emotionalism, weakness, nurturing, graceful, um, and then masculinity is a set of attributes, same uh, behaviors and roles associated with men and boys. Um, some of these are strength, independence, competitive. Um, and again, we're talking about socially constructed aspects of uh, socially constructed beliefs of femininity and masculinity, correct? Yeah, a good one would be, you know, take the take pink, you know, the color pink and pink clothing, pink attire. You know, pink used to be a very masculine color. Really? And now, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, the history of it too, when you start looking at it, the history of that, and then you can compare it to like soccer too. Soccer in various countries and around the world uh, is a very masculine sport. But in the U.S., you know, nowadays too, pink and uh, soccer tend not to be thought of as the most masculine sorts of thing. Um, you know, right, but we also live in an age too where, uh, you know, millennials and children of today are wearing way more colors and have a variety of clothing uh, so that, you know, pink is not just for girls and blue is just for boys. There's nothing inherent. That's not a biological thing. There's no biological explanation for that. It's a social thing that, you know, we start putting in, you know, in the crib, a football in the boys' crib, and, and, and that's what they do back in Ohio, in in, uh, in Maslin, Ohio. When the boys are born, they put a little football in the crib. Uh, that's true. And then, uh, you know, for girls, they give them a doll or you put something pink in there, right? And we start to feminize or masculinize, and we're socializing them into appropriate activities, so-called appropriate activities, or whatever the parents or community has available, and that's what folks start to do. Yeah, boys don't play with dolls. Action figures, action figures. Yeah, they're different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sport, it's yeah, funny because um, little kids, you know, infant clothing, sometimes you can't tell whether an infant is a boy or a girl or, you know, the you're kind of trying to give a little hint. And it used to be that uh, infant clothing was only blue and uh, pink because it was kind of like, hey, I've got a girl. Like if you went up and went, oh, what a cute little girl. And it was a boy. The parents were like mortified. But, but that's such a rich example of what you just did. Like there's like four different things that we can break down right there. Okay. 
Sorry. So <laughs> one, oh, it's, it's perfect because that's what folks, the way that we talk about it and what folks are saying, right? So one, again, we created the binary of, oh, there's a boy and a girl. Well, remember, right, there, that there's not. It's not just a binary, although for the sake of convenience, based on somebody's social construct or their social appearance, right, their physical appearance and, and bodily manifestations, we will then call them a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. Right? And now we want to do the, the equipment check, right? We want to see, well, what's going on up there, down there, and then that'll help us verify, you know, and know what to call them, although that's uh, misleading to, to some extent as well. So there's that. Then the, there are folks that try to use gender neutral colors, yeah, right? Rather than just blue and uh, pink again, we can use, try to use gender neutral or Hello. we can mix match, right? But then also, you, you also went on and said the reaction, the consequence of that is that the parents then become mortified, right? Like, who cares? At the end of the day, like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it shouldn't really be philosophically that big of a deal. Yeah. But why, why is it, right? And anytime somebody has a strong emotional reaction to something, you know, that's them talking to everybody, you know, <laughs> men, women, everybody, and others, uh, however you identify, that you want to stop and pause and think about that emotional reaction. What, what, why do I have this reaction? Where is it coming from? And then what consequences? How do I treat other people? What behaviors? What, what verbal actions? What am I doing then? And how am I treating other people? Well, and that's the, those, that's the socialization. I mean, the good news is we've come far enough that now we do have yellow and gray and, and purple, you know, infant clothing and other things I think have, have gone in the right direction as well. So I, hopefully we still continue to improve, but that's, that's a, yeah. a corporate socialization where you only have blue or pink to choose from. Yeah, right. Of course, uh, certainly. Yeah, good. Uh, big, you know, companies and media and organizations, you know, are manufacturing certain things, and you can only get certain lettering or certain equipment or certain, you know, either dollars or action figures that have a certain color and a certain gender to it. Uh, and it gets to be very complex too when you're trying to think through how do I provide opportunities for, let's say, girls that don't have uh, the same available equipment or clothing or sporting goods that mm-hmm. we're going to see elsewhere. Yeah. You know, where do I find that? Where do I find, you know, if I'm um, traditionally, right, African-American, if I've got, you know, big, thick uh, Afro hair, curly hair, braids, twisties, you know, so many different varieties of, of I, I can't yeah. do anything with my hair. <laughs> There's so many different things you can do, you can do with their hair. How do you find a helmet yeah. or, a, a, a mask or a headband, right? Something because sometimes you have to, there are rules that regulate hair and they're usually based on a white hair. They're, they're, that's what it's based on. So there was a big case a couple of years ago of a, I believe a, a, a wrestler, a boy wrestler in high school who the referee told him to cut his hair before the match because it didn't fit the rules. It didn't fit up in the, in the headgear enough. And so you see this in the military as well, right? And, and in the workplace. I mean, we originally talked about corporations. That, that is how we start to look at something like gender and race as well. And we start to regulate it and normalize what we think it should be based on usually a particular way, right? A, a sort of white right. hair color right. or a, you know, a, a male norm or something like that. In the scope of sports, we tend to think of white male as the kind of dominant norm and other things off of that are lesser 
or different and are not re are regulated more strictly or not appropriately for that person's uh, race, gender, sexuality, et cetera. So I, I just wondered, we talked about how um, owners of um, and coaches in football are uh, majority white and players are majority um, black, but I wonder also about gender in in the employees or in the people that are deciding these rules, do we have enough diversity? Um, and you know, is everyone being considered equally? No, obviously not. <laughs> no, the short answer is no. And you know, there's research too that I show, uh, and there's there's unfortunately so many great pictures that you can get nowadays on the internet that there's a I, I saw one. I kid you not, and this is how. Uh, like mind numbing it is sometimes it's a you know panel of men talking about women's issues in sport well let's let's appreciate how absurd it is to have a panel of nothing but men talking about you know either rules regulating performance standards etc yeah. for women you know and somebody like myself that does get asked another male you know scholar social scientist to get asked for these sorts of things one of the things that we can do that i do as well is i go i ask who's on the panel yeah and, and I, it happens, you know, every year that I go, who's, who else is speaking? Because I don't want to be on a panel with just a bunch of other, you know, white men. Yes. And I don't want to be on a panel with just a bunch of men. And I also know that when men are in situations in groups, like uh, we're talking about here, that they can dominate the conversation. All right. Well, let's get back to this. So let me ask you something that one of the biggest issues with uh, femininity femininity and masculinity is that if you don't fit as a person in a specific box that's been um, socially constructed, your sexual orientation is questioned. And, and your gender. So both, both. We have to be careful about that too, but yes. So let's look at, we'll take an example too. Let's look at an example in women's sports that continues today is that a lot of attention, a little bit of extra attention, media attention, a little extra followers on social media nowadays, a little bit more advertising is going to follow more attractive, more femininity, you know, so a, a good looking uh, skier, uh, we take Lindsey Vaughn, uh, who fits the mold for, you know, this feminine look, this, what we call emphasized femininity, traditional, right? Nice white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know. And let's be real, we've been trained to think that that is the the epitome of beauty and and femininity, right? And, and that training, right? Training is another word for socialization. It happens, and you don't really realize it, and it's very subtle. Um, and you and you get it through the magazines, for example. Mm -hmm. And it can be a sport magazine or just any order any other lay magazine. If you're a woman whose gender expresses, um, your gender expression reflects masculine characters as you're obviously assumed that you're a lesbian and a man whose gender expression reflects feminine characteristics is assumed to be gay, which, I mean, this further conflates sex, gender, and sexuality. Yeah, it's, it's really too, when you study one, you almost got to study the other and We've mentioned, I think briefly before, but of course a word to know is not just intersectionality in the sense of uh, overlapping identities, but how these things lead to what we might call oppression or negative consequences.
right? So when you're looking at the, the relationship between gender and sexuality, they'll often go hand in hand because of these sort of flipping back and forth between mm-hmm. uh, how one manifests and their behaviors and actions and norms relating to their gender identity, but then also the masculinity and femininity, uh, sexuality aspects, and then who gets to be attracted to whom and how, and how can we sell that and then exploit that too uh, and, and, and become profit, you know, make money on Instagram or on commercials because you, you know, fit a certain mold. Thanks for listening. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and hit the follow button because there's more sport knowledge on the way. If you're interested in more information or want to engage in further conversation about these and other issues in sport, visit our website at spknmedia.com. To stay updated on all things SPKN, follow us on social media at spknmedia or email us at team at spknmedia.com and we'll be happy to welcome you to the SPKN community.